Luke chapter 10 is where you're going to be this morning. If you don't have a Bible on you this morning, if you throw your hand up, we'd love to get a Bible into your hands. If you forgot a Bible, didn't bring a Bible, if you don't own a Bible, for sure, throw your hand up. Grab one of these Bibles as our gift to you. We're going to be looking at Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 38 of Luke chapter 10 this morning. As we begin a new series this morning that's just simply entitled Burnout. Burnout. Which, which I think is something that, that just about all of us can relate to. You either know someone who has, quote unquote, burned out, or maybe you yourself feel like, man, I've been there, I'm, I'm almost there, I'm in the middle of it right now. And I want us to look at, at, at two ladies here this morning in Luke chapter 10, their sisters, Martha and Mary. Now, there's another account in the Gospels of Martha and Mary that's a way more exciting story than we're going to read about this morning. It's, it's a way more dramatic account, the account of Jesus raising their brother Lazarus from the dead. And I mean, if you're burned out, you're like, tell me that story, man. How can Jesus raise me from the dead? I mean, if, if you want to go to a real good Mary and Martha story, you, you go to the one that, that we're most easily drawn to. It's a definitely much more of an exciting one to read about Lazarus, but we're going to read here Kind of a boring story compared to Lazarus. But your Bible's open. Look at verse 38. It says this. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him, to Jesus, and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. So here we go. We, we've got Martha, this, this kind of person I, I think that would, would want to make sure that everything's right in her home. And, you, and you've got Mary who doesn't really seem to care if the napkins are shaped as little swans or not, right? She's like, we don't have, nap, who even needs napkins? Let's just eat. Grab something, put it on the table, let's go. And you have Martha, she's in the kitchen. She's getting stuff ready. She's got all the pots on, all the pies are baking, all the tables getting set. She's going kind of crazy, making sure it all looks good. And, and, and Mary, she's either stopped working or maybe she never did start working and she's just sitting at Jesus' feet. And, and what happens, Martha gets mad and she starts to complain about it. Okay, so, so two stories. Stories of, of, of Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus being raised from the dead and, and here we got the story of what? Of, of two sisters fighting. Not really a huge event, really. It's kind of common, kind of mundane, kind of boring, but, but here's the thing. I think that's the point. I mean, for us, life happens in the mundane, doesn't it? Life happens in the boring. Character is developed in the normal of life. We, we, as followers of Christ, listen, we have very few Lazarus moments in our life, but we have thousands upon thousands of these kind of moments, don't we? This everyday kind of stuff uh, where we just live our life, where, we, where our, our, our chores are done, work happens, ministry goes on, relationships are developed, and, and it's in these moments, in these what you would call mundane, boring, everyday moments that our hearts are revealed. That our character is formed. We have to ask the question, what does it mean to, what does it mean to sit at Jesus' feet? What does it mean to not sit at Jesus' feet? I mean, really, it's, it's the secret to everything. And, 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 and this, not just every once in a while I've sat at Jesus' feet that one time, one summer I did it, I think. No, no, it's this ongoing, in the mundane, in the normal of life. In other words, Jesus rarely will come to us and say, listen, listen, go rescue the princess, blow up the Death Star, and bring peace to the galaxy, right? Those moments happen very rarely in our lives. 
He doesn't do that, but instead Jesus says, come sit at my feet. In, in normal rhythms of everyday life, come sit at my feet. And, it, and it's there that we're developed. And so for the next few Sundays, we're going to talk about what does life look like in the normal? What does life look like in, in everyday life? What does life look like when everyday life begins to pile up on top of me? And I feel like I'm burning out. I've been reading a ton of books on burnout over the summer. In fact, I think I've read so many books on burnout, I'm burned out on books on burnout. Like, I don't want to read anymore. But, but why would I do that? Why am I reading so much? One is this, because they say, stats say that 40 to 45% of pastors burn out, like, like flame out, out of ministry, can't do it anymore. The stats actually higher for pastors' wives. But it's not just pastors. There's a Harris poll just done recently that said that 86% of us feel chronically stressed out. 86% of people chronically stressed out. The business magazine called Inc. 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 Magazine says that 60% of their readers feel dangerously close to burnout. I mean, think about yourself even this morning. I mean, I, I've seen this in our church. There's this overwhelming feeling of more and more people saying, I'm just tired. We, we live in a busy world, don't we? In fact, in fact some have said that, the, that we're living, life today is more busy than any other time in all of history. I don't know if that's totally true because I can imagine some farmsteader from the 1800s watching us get a burger from McDonald's thinking, really, really, your life's that hard? I had to raise my cow and slaughter him and make him into a hamburger. But if your life's hard, that's cool. But here's the thing, I, I do believe this. I believe we live in, in, a, in a very distracted world In fact, I would say this for our first point this morning. Life is so full of distractions. Life is filled with distractions. If you, if you were to ask, do a, a survey here in our church this morning, my guess is nine out of 10 people this morning would say, man, my life is busy. I've got a lot of stuff going on. I'm so busy. And, and, and I want us to see this morning that, that maybe that busyness isn't always just busyness, but maybe, maybe, maybe we're being very distracted. In fact, right here in the text, that's what it says about Martha. Look at verse 40. So Mary's sitting at Jesus' feet. Verse 40 says, but Martha was distracted with much serving. She was distracted. The, the literal meaning of the word is that she was drawn in different ways. Being pulled apart, really. And in fact, if in the Middle Ages, the French used to use this torture technique where they would take a person and they would tie each of their limbs to four different horses and then slowly the horses would stretch them apart. Pretty gross, right? You know what they called it? No joke. It was called distraction. That, that's a, the name of, the, of, of what that torture was. It was a, a distraction. And, and doesn't that make sense? How, how much do we feel just completely pulled apart in every direction? Distracted by so many things. There's so many things to look at, to watch, to, to read, to study, to, to go to, to, to answer. Technology, it's made life easier for sure, but, but it's also created more distractions than ever. Like, remember, remember when someone would call your house? Remember this? If you were born after like 2000, here's something about when someone would call your phone, your phone was actually attached to a wall. It was crazy, right? In your kitchen, phone attached to a wall. And if somebody would call you and you weren't there, it would just ring. And nobody would be there to answer it. And that was the only way you had to get a hold of somebody. Because when you left the house, the phone stayed attached to the wall. <laughs> it's great, right? 
Now, now what? We have our phones with us 24-7. People can get a hold of us whenever and wherever they want to. And, and we can get a hold of anyone. Or listen, we can look for anything. We have access to whatever we want, wherever we want, whenever we want. I used to do my devotions, my time with the Lord. I'd wake up and I'd grab my phone and I'd read the Bible app on my phone. I'd take notes in the notes app on my phone. But I I started to see that I I couldn't do that anymore because here's the thing. I would grab my phone and instead of grabbing for the Bible app, well, let me just check my email first. Then I'd read through all my emails and then, then, well, okay, now I'll start reading my Bible and then then a notification would come up. Well, I might as well check that. Let me just see what's going on on Instagram or Twitter. And then pretty soon, I'm I'm like 10 or 15 minutes into my quiet time with the Lord and I'm watching cat videos. Like, how did I get there, right? (laughs) You're laughing because you've been there, right? (laughs) Not only that, but listen, this is so important. Distraction destroys more relationships than just about anything in our world today. Because for someone to feel love, whether it's your spouse or your kids or your friends, for someone to feel love, they need to know that they're a priority for you, that, that you have time and energy for them. And, and when we're distracted, that doesn't happen. When we're constantly looking at our phones instead of to to those we love, what does it say? It says, hey, you know what? Facebook's more important. Instagram's more important. If if a text comes in, they're more important. When, When our minds are on our work or other things in those relationships, when we're always distracted by other things, when we're in that place where someone has to say our name two or three times to get our attention because our mind is always somewhere else, listen, those relationships around you will stay cold and shallow, including your relationship with God. I've heard it said that distraction is harming our ability to to listen, to think carefully, to engage deeply, to be still, to pray, to meditate, to read, It's a spiritual danger. It's an evil from which we need God's deliverance from. It says here that Martha was distracted. Now, now before we can quickly jump on the, oh yeah, look at Martha. Look at her being so distracted. She's so sinful. Don't be a Martha. Look at what she was actually doing. It says she was serving. I mean, she was doing good things. She She was being hospitable. I mean, let's understand that what she was doing was not the problem. I mean, as Christians, we have a call in our lives to, to really to live lives that are pretty full. And it's not a bad thing to have a life that's filled, that's filled with, with work to, to take care of our families, to be filled with ministry, to have our mindset on eternal purposes. Jesus, I mean, look at his life. His life was constantly being drawn into other people's lives. Jesus lived a life that he was so tired, he could fall asleep on a boat in the middle of a storm, constantly having his life interrupted. When I read through the Gospels, one thing that always shocks me is that, that Jesus always seemed to be doing something on the way to something else. Did you ever catch that? He, he's going to do something and somebody interrupts him. He's on his way to heal that, 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 that really noble guy's daughter, Jairus' daughter, and on the way, this outcast of a woman touches him and he stops to hear her whole life story. So it's not just the distraction that's the problem. Listen, it's when our hearts are disordered by the distraction. But Henry Blackaby said this. He said, some people can be so disoriented to God that when he begins to work around them, they actually become annoyed at the interruption. 
So it's not the busyness, it's not just the distraction, it's the heart that's going on in this distraction. Mary, Martha, sorry, wasn't just too busy. Look at the text. So she says this to the Lord, hey, hey, my sister's left me to serve alone. Tell her to help me. Look at verse 41. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things. I mean, Jesus lovingly reaches into her heart to reveal what's actually going on. And, and he says, Martha, Martha. In that culture, to say something twice, right? It's an emphasis. So he, he's just emphasizing how much he loves Martha. And he goes, Martha, Martha. He's being so tender with her, which is crazy that he'd be tender in that moment because what did she just do? She just rebuked Jesus. She just said in verse 40, hey, hey, what's up with my sister not helping me? And you know what's going on because she's right here with you. Your job is to tell her to do something. That's what she's saying. Jesus, tell my sister to start working. Jesus looks right past that and zeroes right in on her heart. And he says, Martha, you are so anxious and troubled. Look, life is filled with so many distractions, but here's our second point. The distraction or the burnout can reveal what's going on in our hearts. That distraction, that burnout, that, that weariness begins to reveal what's going on in our hearts. Jesus says, Martha, you're anxious and troubled. That word anxious, it, it literally means torn apart. You're being tore apart right now. You're troubled. To say you're troubled, that, that word means it's like a, a capsized boat in the water where the waves just kind of move it everywhere that it's, the waves want it to go. You're tore apart. You're tossed about. Jesus saying, Martha, here's what's going on in your heart. You have all these things you're striving for. You're looking for purpose. You're looking for meaning. You're looking for fulfillment and for happiness. And these things are pulling you apart. Martha, you, you look like you're the proactive one. Martha, you look like you're the leader. You look like you got things under control, but there's this inner turmoil in your heart. There's this disordered heart in you. Jesus begins to reveal, Martha, you're not serving for me. You're serving for yourself. Your heart's looking for meaning in, in so many horizontal things. And, and listen, we can be so distracted that, that we run to our work, we, we run to people-pleasing, we run to social media, we run to comfort and distractions. Why? Because we're trying to distract our hearts. We're trying to look for meaning and purpose, peace and hope. Jesus says you're anxious and troubled about many things. Then he goes on, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. I mean, Jesus just goes, here's, here's what's going on, Martha. Let me tell you the difference between you and Mary. Mary is seeking after one thing. Mary knows what she needs for her heart to be at peace. Mary knows what she needs to be truly at rest. Mary knows that she needs me. Martha, you need all these other things, and that's the problem. You're, you're burning out. You're anxious. You're troubled. You're unhappy because you've decided you need all these other things. And we set up these other distractions as these are my non-negotiables. I have to have this in my life or I won't be happy. The Bible calls it an idol. It's a thing we worship. We, we go to it for our hope and for our meaning. And Jesus is saying these things are tearing us up. 
And it's not just ripping us up, it's ripping those up around us too. Because what's going on with Martha? She starts to get angry at Mary. Why? Because Mary's getting in the way of her idols. Mary, you're stopping me from producing this wonderful meal so I can impress Jesus. You're not helping me get this idol together. That's what happens. Verse 40 says, Martha was distracted with much serving and she went up to Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. Not a happy person. She's irritable on the outside. Why? Because there's disorder on the inside. That irritability, that that anxiousness, that anger, that troubledness, that that weariness, when when that starts to be revealed in our lives, we need to recognize that as smoke. That's not the actual fire, but it's it's giving a signal to something that's going on. That anxiousness, that weariness, that that troublesome, it's, it's a red light on the dashboard saying something's not right. Something's going on in your heart. You have a disordered heart and it's being revealed. So when that happens, when we see the smoke, we need to start asking the question of women, what am I actually worshiping here? What is it that I'm actually seeking? What do I feel like I need so desperately but I'm not getting? Here's the question we need to ask over and over again. What's being revealed about me? On the outside, Martha would have looked like the person who had everything put together. If you went to Martha's house, she was the Martha Stewart of the first century, right? (laughs) Everything in order. Her food was amazing. Her schedule was filled and organized. But Jesus began to open up her heart to show her that she, she actually had an unanchored soul. She was pulled apart and tossed around. Now, now we're going to unpack this a little bit more next Sunday as we talk about what it means to truly rest. But Martha's looking for that inner peace. She's looking for that, that hope. And Jesus is saying so clearly to her, Martha, it's found in me. Martha thought that that it would all rest on her shoulders. I've got to make this happen. So she takes the weight of the world on her shoulders. Martha thought that that her significance would be found in her serving. Martha thought that she needed approval and her approval was found in what she did. And Jesus is saying so clearly, Martha, Martha, I love you and I've got it all under control. If Martha hadn't been burning herself out on trying to get everything done, she could have experienced Jesus in a different way. She could have experienced Jesus the way Mary was experiencing Jesus. But instead, Martha thought, it's all on my shoulders. Which is crazy if you think about it, that that Martha is thinking, I've got to make four different kinds of pies because Jesus is here. And Jesus is like, I can feed 5,000 people with a couple of bread, loaves of bread and some fish. She was thinking she was heroically saving the day, but in fact, what she was doing was hurting her own heart and she was hurting those around her. Why? Because her disordered heart caused her to lash out at Mary. If she kept going at this pace, eventually Martha would burn out. And when she burned out, she would she'd think she's being a hero, but instead, no, what's she doing? She's causing energy and work for those around her who then would have to step in and care for her as the burned out Martha. And Jesus is saying to Martha, and listen, Jesus is saying to us this morning, you are significant in me. You are approved in me. Not all the things you do, Jesus says, in the things I've already done is your hope and your significance. 
If you've given your life to Christ, in him you're a child of God. In in him, you who were a sinner and were broken and unable to do anything, you don't need to strive anymore to try to do these things that didn't work anyway. Why? Because Jesus gave himself. Because Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. So that you could be adopted into the family of God. And this this truth of the gospel, it speaks into all of our striving. As we strive for significance, as we strive for hope, as we strive for approval, as we strive for inner peace. I mean, listen, so much of the distractions that grab our hearts can be boiled down to this one thing. It's us striving for those things. I need approval. I need inner peace. I need significance. I mean, why is social media so strong in our culture? Why why is social media wearing us out? Why why is the burden of it literally destroying our students and our teenagers? Listen, the soul rot of social media, it happens because it becomes our hope for significance and meaning and approval. It's it's when our hearts are tore apart and tossed around. It's when our our soul is unanchored, unanchored from the gospel being our hope. It's in those moments that the the devil begins to whisper into our ears as we scroll through Instagram or Facebook, and the devil whispers, you're not like them. Your life's pretty boring, huh? You're not pretty enough. You're, You're not popular enough. You're not wealthy enough. Your family's not put together enough. You fill in the blank of whatever the lie that gets spoken to you in that moment. And it's so easy to become convinced that our value and and our significance is found in our appearance, in in our performance, in our popularity, in our perfection, in our status, and how many likes we can get. Here's what I'm saying, though it's about our hearts. These struggles are smoke pointing to a deeper fire, a a root sin that that reveals why it's so easy for us to fall into burnout, into anxiety, into addictions, into any other issue we're battling with. And listen, getting off social media, that's not what I'm saying. That might help. Maybe for some here, that is an answer. You know, I just can't do it anymore. I got to pull off. Having your phone on you at all times, maybe you need to pull your phone back a little bit. And that's not always a bad thing. That's a great thing, man, to say, you know what, I'm putting my phone away for this time I'm spending with my family. That's a good thing. But here's what I'm actually saying, though. Even doing those things won't fix our hearts. The only solution to a heart that's, that's bent towards sin is repentance. It's, it's turning away from these false hopes and turning our hearts towards trusting the promises and the truth of the gospel. That's our hope. That's our hope. Amen. So listen, in a distracted world that we live in, in a, in a world that, that so much is coming at us horizontally, in that, what do we do? We point each other to where our true hope is. We point each other to where our true identity is. We point each other to where our true meaning is that is found in Jesus Christ alone. Listen, when it's all said and done, Martha's distraction, just like ours, comes from failing to believe in the promises of God. So what do we do? We, we stay over busy because we, we, we kind of silently tell ourselves that, that if I, I don't do as much as I possibly can, I'm never going to make it in life. If I don't keep at this, if I don't stay in, in, in the, the race that I'm in right now, then, then I'll fail. I, I won't be accepted. 
If I don't keep doing this, I'm gonna disappoint people. If I don't do this, I'm not gonna measure up. And all of it's a failure to believe the truth of the gospel. I mean, Martha's disbelief was so on display as she actually rips into Jesus. Jesus, you don't care about me. That's what she's saying. Jesus, you have no idea what's going on right now. So out of touch with Jesus. And Jesus says to Martha and says to us, I can manage your time pretty good. I mean, Jesus says to us today, I'm not gonna give you 10 things to do if you can only handle three things today. If you find yourself every day having way more to handle than any human could possibly handle, that's not on Jesus, that's on you. We give it to ourselves. We're crushed by what we put on our shoulders when when we make these things non-negotiables, when we say, this is where my hope's gonna be found. It's found in all of these things that I have to do. And like Martha, what happens? We start to break relationships around us. We grow mad at God. Where do you find yourself this morning? I mean, maybe even this morning, maybe, maybe nobody else around you because you're serving so well. No one else around you would know this, but deep inside, you're, you're mad at God right now. Or maybe you find yourself real irritable with people. Or maybe you find yourself just completely empty inside. And, and, and maybe you're a Martha this morning. It's, it's not that you're doing horrible things. You're doing good things and you're doing right things. You're, you're serving, but your heart is still so disordered. I mean, what, what's Mary do? Mary does something completely different. And if you read the book of Luke, as, as Luke lays out the historical account of Jesus from his perspective, as he lays it out, Luke always throughout the whole gospel, according to Luke, he always lays out opposites. He, he lays out contrasts. He always has a good and an evil. He goes, here's the good, here's the bad. He goes, here's Zacchaeus, and you think he's the wrong one. He's actually the good one, because here's the crowd that missed it completely. Here's the busted up, broken down sinner who comes in to pray and and you think, oh, this guy's the wrecked one and he turns out to be the humble one who prays and God answers his prayer while the religious person standing in the back, God didn't hear his prayer at all. That's how Luke kind of sets up as he writes this out and, and here he does the same thing. He sets up this contrast between Martha and Mary. Look at verse 39. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. So she's running around doing all these things. Mary's sitting at the Lord's feet listening to his teaching. And then Jesus says, one thing's necessary and Mary has chosen the good portion. Here's our last point this morning. It's this. We need to keep our focus on the important. We need to keep our focus on the important. What Martha was doing wasn't horrible. She's not, she's not living in sin. She's using her spiritual gifts to serve, to take care of people. But Jesus steps in and lovingly and gently says, hey, Martha, you're letting good things crowd out the greater thing, the best thing. I mean, that's always what distraction will do. Distraction will always take our hearts and and it may distract us with good things. And Martha, totally distracted. And what happens? She totally misses Jesus while Mary focuses on what's important. How much in life do we miss? How much of the important do we miss because we're focused on the good rather than the great? 
How often do you find yourself on your phone as a loved one says your name two or three times? Or you're missing out on that moment that's gonna be lost as your mind is lost or your day, your schedule is lost in things that seem good but they're not actually important. You know, I, when we first started having kids and every time I had a kid, every time one of our kids was born, somebody older would come up to me and say, you know what, it goes by fast. And I'm thinking, man, as I'm changing like what I think is the thousandth stanky diaper, I'm like, this can't go fast enough. You gotta be kidding me. Here's the thing, now that my kids are older, here's what I've discovered. Old people are right. <laughs> it goes by fast. And I want to be distracted by even good things when God has great things for me. I mean, the missionary Jim Elliott, he said it this way. He said, wherever you are, be all there. Live to the hilt every moment you believe given by God. The Apostle Paul said in, in Colossians 3.23, he says, hey, when you're working, be all there. He says, work as unto the Lord and not unto men. In 1 Corinthians 14, he says, when you worship, be all there. We, we should come to, to Sunday worship. We should be in our small group with something to offer and ready to experience, ready to receive, to hear from our God. And listen, if you're here this morning and, and you don't know God, You don't know Jesus this morning. You've been coming to Harvest maybe for a while. Maybe it's your first time coming and you're like, yeah, I don't really know this Jesus guy. I haven't given my life to that. Listen, distraction is one of Satan's main ways to keep us from considering what's eternal. It's why I actually like doing funerals. I'm heartbroken for the people who are, who are mourning. But listen, it's that one moment where all of a sudden the eternal comes right into our faces. Because the rest of the time, Satan is at work to distract us from thinking about eternal things. And Jesus talks in this parable of planting seeds and these seeds of the gospel that are going into hearts. And, and he says that one of the ways, one of the, the ways that Satan will stop that seed from taking root is growing up these weeds of distraction that will choke the gospel out of your heart. And it's, it's not always bad thoughts or unbelieving thoughts that, that keep us from thinking about the eternal. It's just the normal life distraction. So, so you may not go out of here denying God or rejecting God, but you will go out of here forgetting about him. And listen, Jesus is calling you into relationship with him, to, to be with him, to hear him, to experience him, to, to live under his rule and his care and his authority and to experience a new identity in him as an accepted child of God. I mean, what, what did Mary do? Mary sat at Jesus' feet, it says, and listened to him. Mary got to this place of humility. She, she didn't stand with Jesus. She, she, she sat at his feet. It's this, this picture of I'm under your authority. I'm, I'm humbling myself right now. I'm, I'm under your care right now. I don't need to run around to prove myself. I don't need to run around to secure myself. I don't need to go other places to, to find acceptance and, and, and security and identity. But, but it's found as I just humbly say, I need you, Jesus. And you come to that place where you just have to sit come and sit at Jesus' feet, to come to the end of your running. This is where, where being tired and being wore out is such a good thing, because when, when we're tired out, our, our limits keep us from falsely thinking that we're like God, that we can just act like God anytime we want, that we can make everything happen in our own strength. But when you, when you reach the end of your strength, 
you worship the one whose strength never fails. When you reach the end of your wisdom, you worship the one whose wisdom is beyond searching out. I mean, the answer to our Martha problem is to get close enough to Jesus to know him to get close enough to Jesus to hear his promises, to answer this, this feeling of being distracted is, is becoming focused and submissive, to, to sitting at Jesus' feet, to listening to Jesus, to being devoted, to having that personal time of paying attention to what Christ has to say. So, so here's my question for us this morning. When does that happen for you? When you get that time, that undistracted time, where you're sitting at Jesus' feet saying, I'm under your care. I'm under your authority. Where you're listening to his word. And you listen at that place of sitting at his feet. Because here's the thing. When you read God's word, there are going to be some things that challenge us. We go, I don't know if I like that. We stay sitting at his feet. Like, when does that happen for you? Let me, let me challenge you with this. If you don't have that kind of time in your life, here's what I want to challenge you for this month. For this series we're in, we've got four Sundays. We're going to be talking about this. For, for these four Sundays, let me challenge you with this. Find 30 minutes in your day where you can spend complete, undistracted time in the Word and in prayer. Where, where you get 30 minutes. You wake up 30 minutes earlier. You carve something out here in your day where you got those 30 minutes where you just spend time just reading one or two verses and then reflecting on it. And reading them and saying, what do these say about God? Reflect on that. What does this say about God as I read this? And, and then reflect on this. What does it say about me? And then, and then before you leave the 30 minutes, respond and, and begin to say, what do I do differently? How do I worship differently? How do I live differently today because of what I've just read about God and about myself as I've read this scripture? And you might think, 30 minutes, that's a long time. It takes 30 minutes to actually sit at Jesus' feet. That, that five-minute drive-by, right? That, hey, Jesus, I need this, thanks, and you keep going. You, you're going to need 30 minutes. Why? Why? Because you're going to need those 30 minutes for your mind and your heart to actually settle. And yeah, it might be quiet all around you, but there's an inner noise that takes time to settle down. Have you experienced that? Where you sit down, you're like, it's quiet, but man, it ain't quiet in here. My mind's still going. And you would take the time to linger at Jesus' feet. And, and let your day flow from that time, that, that you can hear his promises for you, that you can orient your heart, you can order your heart to, to seek what's important. You get a, a clear thing on, hey, hey, Jesus, what's your opinion about this? What are we reading here? I mean, what all this points to is that distraction grows from a heart that's disordered. It's, it's not a behavior problem, it's a gospel problem. Where the horizontal brokenness that we, we see comes from a vertical brokenness, that, that distraction and busyness that pull our hearts away from fellowship with Jesus. Why? Because Martha started to lose focus on what was most important. She began to focus on the good and missed out on the great. And eventually it revealed this, that she wasn't serving for Jesus. She was serving out of anxiety. She wasn't serving out of grace. It was all about Martha, but Mary had chosen the one thing necessary. She'd chosen the good portion. At that moment, as Mary sat at Jesus' feet, she was more enthralled with Jesus than she was with herself. 
She cared more about what Jesus had to say in that moment than what anybody else had said. Do you think, I mean, come on, let's just be honest. Do you think Martha maybe had made some comments before this comment? Do you think maybe some drive-by snide comments to Mary? As she's in the kitchen going, must be nice to be able to sit with Jesus as she's working, right? Think maybe she's doing that? And Mary's like, it doesn't matter. Your opinions of me, your thoughts of me, my identity. And Jesus' gentle rebuke of Martha was this act of love to her and as to us as well. Why? Because all of us are Marthas sometimes, aren't we? And Jesus is saying this, who are you serving when you serve? Whose attention are you craving? Whose promises are you believing? And Jesus, I want to free you from that slavery. Why? How? To invite you to stop working for, for your identity, for working for your approval, and begin to rest and seek me, Jesus says. To seek his face, to seek his love, to seek his grace. And here's the thing, as the worship team comes up, as we end off this morning, I don't want you to hear this as a sermon on, hey, you need to rest more because it's going to be a battle. We need to battle against the distractions. We need to battle to fight the lies of our distracted age and be able to rest at the feet of Jesus under his promises. We need to be in the word. Why? So I can hear his promises more clearly. I mean, I love it. If you look over at, at chapter 10, you look over at verse 17. Jesus had sent his disciples out to go do this mission work. And look at verse 17. It says, 72 returned with joy. They were just filled with joy as they served Jesus, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. They're fired up, filled with joy because of what they saw Jesus do through them. But look what Jesus says in verse 20. He says, nevertheless, he goes, yeah, that's true, that happens. But nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. What's he saying? He says, take joy in the gospel. Let, let the gospel drive this. When, when our joy rests on our work, when our joy rests on our family, when our joy rests on the approval of other people, when our joy rests on our identity and our success, on the opinions of other people, it's a joy that can be tore apart, that leaves us tossed around. Instead, take your joy in the gospel. Take your joy in grace. Take joy that you know Jesus, and more importantly, that Jesus knows you. Would you stand with me as I pray? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the truth of the gospel. And so in this moment right now, in this moment of worship, Lord, we don't, don't want this just to be the, the song we close off a service with, but God, would you, would you begin to draw our hearts Lord, where there is disorder and distraction, God, would you bring clarity that we could focus this morning on what truly is important. That we would, we would, even as we worship right now, we would begin to sit at your feet, Jesus, and hear your words and hear the truth of the gospel and let that form in us a joy that cannot be touched. Let our hearts be focused on you right now, Jesus.